Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to the Inspired Evolution. I'm your humble host, Amra Sandhu, and you're tuning in to a conscious conversation designed to help you grow. Our mission here is simple. It's for you to live your purpose, live your best life, live the life you love. This podcast is sponsored by Enthusiasm for Life, by great creation itself. To keep the good vibes flowing for myself and yourself, do us a solid. Subscribe to the Inspired Evolution podcast on YouTube, the home of the Inspired Evolution podcast. Now sit back, relax, open your mind, open your heart to this conversation and stay inspired keep evolving welcome to the inspired evolution and it is a treat to be here today we've got with us rich Littman. rich how are you sir oh damn so if, if you're listening or watching this what you don't know is a moment before amrit said to me okay let's just take a moment to drop in <laughs> He got quiet. He got silent. I thought, oh, how nice. Someone who's paying so much attention to stillness. And then he goes, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> it's, I, I like to start it with a roller coaster. <laughs> Love it. Let's slow down to speed up, which is actually something that you talk about. But before we dive into that, let's just quickly do the honors, do the bios, just so people can check in. And for those tuning into Rich for the first time, there may actually be some of you out there that haven't tuned into Rich before, which is actually, it's interesting because Rich is a master coach, right? And he's helping extraordinary people achieve impossible goals. Now, those that are in the knowing coaching, love, worship, idolize, love Rich, right? For, for those that aren't in the sphere of coaching, potentially Rich is like, he's 
dedicated so much of this work and his key thing is word of mouth marketing and so a lot of people actually don't find him online and actually those that just do know him are actually referred to him word of mouth wise so you may have heard of him and you absolutely love him or you haven't heard of him and this is an awesome opportunity for us to connect with him his clients have included olympic athletes presidential candidates hollywood film directors special force operatives serial entrepreneurs phds harvard business school alumni he truly is a thought leader in the coaching world. He wrote the book, um, The Prosperous Coach, and it has held the mantle as one of the top 20 books uh, on Amazon for about seven years now. He leads a community of 20,000 coaches. His background is behavioral psychology, uh, sorry, behavioral physiology and psychology. And he's the founder of 4PC, a community of the top 4% of coaches and leaders. Rich, thank you so much for carving out some time for us here today. Thanks, man. I'm looking forward to this. All right. So slow down to speed up. Let's pick up where we just left off. That's a massive concept in your world. Can you tell us a little bit about how that actually, because it sounds nonsensical for the mind. When I tune into that, it's like, you need to slow down to speed up. What? <laughs> can you break that down for me a little? I can. I, I asked some of the, my community recently, what, out of all the things that I've taught over the years, what's, what's one thing that's really struck them the most? And most often people said, that idea that I teach of slowing down to speed up. Mm. So let me, let me tell you where it came from and then I'll deconstruct it. Yes, please. About 2008, I'm working with a man called Steve Chandler. Steve and I wrote a book together called The Prosperous Coach, but at the time he was my mentor and coach. Mm. And he said, Rich, you remind me of my little puppy that runs around the house really fast, but when it gets into the kitchen that's got a slippery tile floor, his legs are moving really fast and his body's not moving. And I really got it. It really hit home because... I am driven and I am ambitious and I'm always aiming at what's next. And that's mm. been the question behind uh, in the background my whole life. What's next? What's next? Yeah. And it really struck me. Yeah. What, what if I wasn't rushing so much? Mm. And so I began to pay attention of where I was rushing and where I didn't need to be. And this idea about slowing down uh, really hit me. The thing is for most of us who are, are driven and ambitious, we're terrified if we slow down, we have this vision. We'll be like Homer Simpson. We'll be lying. On our <laughs> we'll be watching TV. There'll be a bowl of Cheetos on our tummy. And then we'll spend the rest of our life there. But for high performers, that's not usually how it works. We, yeah. we operate at this level up here. We're doing so much. And slowing down actually allows us to do more, to be more creative, to think more deeply, to connect more intimately. And that's where the magic really lies. I absolutely love it because it's something that previously I like, I love the adorable image of the puppy <laughs> floundering on the kitchen tiles. That was, I could totally relate to that. Um, and I think there's almost being part of like a capitalistic society. There is this kind of hustle mentality that's bred into us um, that, you know, like I felt so much a kinship to, which is like, yep, yeah, if we're going to make this thing, especially when you're setting up as a coach, you inadvertently realize that you're becoming an entrepreneur as well, because you're going to set up a coaching business. And it's like, what, like a, I love serving people, but now I've also got to figure out how to serve this in a, in a business model, right? Um, so there's this whole thing that you've got to pick up on the fly. And then you try to push on both fronts. It's like trying to be of service, but then also trying to, you know, help people at, like through a business. And one of the things I've recently, just recently, and we were discussing this before, like I've just had a newborn and yeah, like the encouragement to slow down has been so present because babies are just in the present moment for the most part. And if you're not present, you'll miss so much. And it's been this incredible, incredible gift where I've started to realize that 
the more time I spend in presence, like actually I've got freer bandwidth to have more creative ideas and potentially realize, oh, I don't need to be doing that. Or actually, I don't need to be doing that. I can delegate that. Or, you know, and it's actually slowing down and just going, you know what, it doesn't all have to be done by me. Even those little bits of bandwidth that really afford me the perspective to to slow down, to speed up. So it didn't used to make a lot of sense. I'm slowly getting there. I'm slowly getting there. Thank you so much for sharing that with us, man. So you've well, been look, a co- look, I'll, I'll respond to that because I have two kids. My, yeah. Congratulations on your newborn. <laughs> Mine are now eight and ten. Yo. And I get paid a lot of money to be really present with people, to mm. listen to them deeply, to be really connected with them. And yeah. When my kids were born, I realized, oh, I know nothing about presence because little babies <laughs> your presence. And you think as a parent, you're being present, but you're actually checking your phone. Mm. You're, you're trying to watch Netflix and on the side. You, and, and your kids are, are, are a barometer for how present you are. And, yeah. and I can't always be as present as they want me to be, but they remind me about the power of being present. Mm. And so you will see that as, as, a, as a new dad. Yes. Yeah. And it's also why they're so magnetic little kids because they are in the present moment and most of us are not. So it's very attractive. We are very drawn to newborns. You'll see it's the reaction. Everyone says, Oh my God, he's so beautiful. He's so amazing. They're just drawn to him. He's Mm. magnetic. She's magnetic because that little baby is pure presence. Mm. Can we talk a little bit about that? Because I had that experience just before our podcast this morning, actually, I was literally sitting in my meditation and I was dropping in and my baby came crawling across and I was like, actually, he can be my meditation for the day. And I literally got on all fours and just stared at him while he stared at me and just dropped in and that became the meditation practice for the day. Can we talk about the magnetism of presence? Because it was truly one of the first places that I came home to. Like I see so many people as coaches coaching Strategies, which are all very useful, not poo-pooing anybody. There's a lot of good stuff out there in terms of people supporting each other. But I remember watching you coach live on a Mind Valley stage, and you spent more time listening than speaking. And I was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> it was this, it was this real shift. And uh, yeah, can we talk a little bit about the magnetism of presence, the role silence plays in that? Can you just riff on that and share with us where this came to be your awareness, your understanding, why you culminated this way of being as a coach? Yeah, I can. And first I have a question for you. Hmm. What would make this podcast an 11 out of 10 for you? Now I deliberately asked this while we're live rather than before. (laughs) I'll explain why in a moment, but what would make this an 11 out of 10 this episode? So the 11 out of 10 for me in this episode is I usually find that if I was able to learn something really deeply viscerally for myself as a coach would be really supportive for those that are listening in as well. I usually often find that an episode does really well, gets the 11 out of 10 if I'm also learning and the audience is therefore also on the cusp of my learning. Not saying that I'm the leader of the podcast, but also like that's kind of my edge and that's the greatest service that I can provide to those that are tuning in. Nice, nice. Why don't you own that you're the leader of this podcast? <laughs> um, because I feel like it's a community effort. There's a whole people. There's a whole bunch of team that are also editing. That also I want them to feel like they also own the podcast because I want it to feel like a community effort. There are a bunch of people that stay connected. On there's a community manager that manages all the people on the Facebook tribe, and I want her to feel like she is also a leader in this space. So. 
yeah, I, I want to empower. Other people. Why, why would that take away from your leadership? I have a distinction that the job of a leader is to create more leaders, not more mm. followers. Yeah, powerful thought process. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, intriguing. Okay, so that, that sound that Amrit just made is what I call the sound of insight. Mm. Life was one way, and then I asked a question, and, and the world changed. Like a crack opened in the world that he lives in for a new possibility through the other side of that. He has choice. He might do nothing about that. He might do something about that. He might sit with that thought for a year before anything happens. But Amrit, that was the sound of insight. And, mm -hmm. and, and I modeled for you in that moment why I like to get really present with the person I'm with, because from there, I get to see the world that you're living in. Mm -hmm. Now, if, if people happen to be watching this, we're on Zoom, if they're listening in later, mm -hmm. you picture, you know, the Zoom boxes. There's this box around me right now. You can see me from the, the, the chest up just mm -hmm. above my head and, and a, you know, a few inches either side of me and same for Amrit. And it's like this box is the limits of our possibilities. Mm -hmm. On this side, when I put my hand out, you can't see my hand any longer. Mm -hmm. and, and beyond there, things look impossible to me. Beyond mm -hmm. there, things look impossible to me. They, they don't even exist. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what I'm doing as a coach. I'm looking for where the boundaries for your possibilities. I, I heard one just now. Oh, I, I don't want to be a leader because then that wouldn't give space for other people to be leaders. And I asked, well, what if the job of a leader was to create more leaders, not more followers? And you went, mm. ah. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market and then we just expanded possibility for you <laughs> that's why i get present that's why i listen deeply and that's how i coach can i ask a question so how do you how do you consistently find uh, an ability to go beyond the current frame? Do you have to have expanded beyond the frame yourself to be able to help people crack beyond the frame? Well, yeah, two, um, two, two reasons, uh, two answers. One, you've got to be working on yourself. You can't be in this game as a coach uh, unless you're doing deep work on yourself constantly. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm constantly uh, working with other coaches, mentors, advisors, uh, uh, I, I teach my team to challenge my thinking on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. And, and two, I, I coach for insight. Mm. I'm not an accountability coach. I'm not a motivational coach. I'm not even an inspirational coach. Mm -hmm. I'm listening for how you create your world. Mm -hmm. And most of us create our world through our speaking of our world. How we speak our world into existence becomes our world. 
and how we speak it into existence informs how we see our world. So I'm listening for how you're speaking your world into being. Mm -hmm. And from there, I can point at new possibilities, ask questions that create space for new possibilities. Was it always clear to you that you were an insight coach or was it something that developed uh, that awareness as you went on the journey of coaching? Did you have to kiss a few frogs before you found the princess? Dude, it wasn't even clear I was going to be a coach. I spent the first 15 <laughs> years of my life, I was a high school teacher. I, yeah. I left university and I knew I wanted to do something with people. Mm -hmm. but, but no one teaches you what that means. So I left university. I went to work at Great Ormond Street Hospital. It's a children's hospital in London. And I was in the human resources department and I thought it'd be great, but it turns out the British health system is very bureaucratic. And all I was doing was shuffling papers. Mm. And then mm. I found out about teaching and I spent almost 15 years as a teacher and educator. Mm -hmm. I, I happen to have a degree in biology and economics. I don't really enjoy either of those subjects. I had no choice in the British school system. You have to pick a, a lane, a subject that you teach. So I had right. to pick the sciences mm -hmm. and I taught science for a long time science does not really interest me that much, but mm. I had no choice. That was my degree. And so for 15 years, I was teaching science, but I didn't love science. I loved kids. I loved people. Mm. And I had no idea that I was going to go on this journey of being a coach. I trained in coaching skills for the first time in 2003. Mm. And then 2005, I lost my job. And I took a bunch of playing cards with me to Thailand to go and sit on a beach and recover from being fired. And mm. these had some coaching questions on. And I began coaching people on a beach. And that was the start of what became a career. So I had no idea what it meant to coach for an insight. I, I was just asking interesting questions and, and the questions are written down for me. So yeah, it's been a work in progress. Yeah. Do you still feel like it's a work in progress? And I asked that place from humbly from being, having been a coach um, for about four years now. And I remember like, even today, like, you know, there is so much more that's been refined through the journey of when I first started, when I first started, it was like coaching and being of service was something that just really spoke to me and it was really visceral. And then over time, it's like, actually, I've started to realize that that pivot where people just really are dissatisfied with their current careers or jobs or where they want to go. And there's something calling them that purpose juncture, like really questioning, that's my jam. Like, I just love having those conversations. Let's go there. And so even that has just been like precipitating over time. And it's like, I've just gotten clearer. And I'm just wondering, like, do you still feel like it's still in flux? Do you still are refining every day in every way? Or is that something that sort of slows down over time? I'm wondering whether to be facetious and say, oh, I've, I've nailed it. I've, I've all the boxes. Life's easy. I feel like it might create yeah, some peace I'm, I'm at my end, man. Would <laughs> you say it for my sake? Mastery is a lifelong journey, right? You know, uh, you know, it, it never stops. You've got to, you know, still be on, on the journey constantly. It, it never stops. I, I've just started work um, in the next couple of weeks. I've, I've, and work with a woman who teaches about intuition. Mm -hmm. I've just invested $50,000 to spend the next two years of my life studying intuition. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm constantly learning, constantly growing. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it never stops in my experience. Yeah. I find coaching- that, that For me, that's exciting. You know, I, I know yeah. you were joking when you said, you know, you know, give me some peace of mind. But <laughs> no, that's exciting. It would be boring for me. It would be boring for me if, if, <laughs> if I thought it was going to stop, if I thought I'd mastered everything. I, yeah. I'm more interested. For, to me, there's, there's conventional success- then there's exponential success. Mm. And, and most people are interested in conventional success. And I'm not criticizing that. Sometimes you, you, you've got your family to take care of 
and you want to make sure you're just bringing enough money to pay for the rent or the mortgage or take care of the, the kids. And um, that's great. And, and you just want, you want your job to, to, you know, to keep going the way it's always gone. Mm. There's a place for that. That's conventional success. Exponential success is where you're willing to put at risk your current success for mm. your future success. Mm. I'm always playing in that way. I, I've built a business by word of mouth for 15 years you mentioned it earlier. I'm a best kept secret in the world of coaching. I've, I've got a book that sold almost a hundred thousand copies by word of mouth, never marketed it. Mm. And last year for the first time, I realized, you know what? I don't want to be a best kept secret any longer. Mm. I want to share this stuff because if we can help coaches build a practice, serve people, make a difference in the world, that's amazing. And too many people are teaching coaches how to build an online business. It's not what I teach. I teach coaches how to build a relationship-based business. Hmm. Coaches are people people, and they get exhausted when they're trying to do all this stuff that their Facebook feed is telling them they need to do to get clients. So I teach people to build relationships. And the only way I can tell more people about that is to embrace some of the stuff that I've never done before. Hmm. So I've got Hmm. a business partner for a new venture of mine called Transition Excellence, Hmm. where we're going to help leaders in the corporate world or former entrepreneurs to coach you know, mm. people, experts, uh, um, executives and, and entrepreneurs, and, and we're going to grow that business and scale it. So we have to do digital marketing and things that I've never done before. Mm. I am willing to do that because I'm on a mission. In fact, mm. I'm having people do that for me because it's not, I don't want to learn how to do that. I want to build an amazing team who are in their zones of genius, but I'm willing to put at risk everything I've done until today because I have a new mission. Mm-hmm. I love that. Do you, I find, and maybe this is present in every career, but it was only brought to my visceral sort of palpable experience when I stepped into coaching that I started to realize that my business is directly linked to my own personal development. Is that true across industries or is that just coaching that has that as like a very palpable, like fine line? It's like the veil is not, it's like, okay, the business is growing and I'm growing. And it's like, what, like we're, we're one and the same, <laughs> like what is going on here? Um, yeah. Is that something that's unique to coaching? Is that something that is, you see, or like a lot in coaching or is that something you see through industry as well? I, I think it's everywhere. I think if you're not willing to grow yourself, you, you, you're going to struggle to grow. Personal growth and professional development are really key in your personal relationships, your business relationships, how, how, how likely you are to get promoted, the difference you can make in the world, the possibilities you can see. I think that that's throughout every industry, every field. And yeah, of course, it's relevant in coaching because if you're not willing to walk your talk, why would anybody invest with you? But it's just as true if you're a leader in the, the corporate world, uh, you're an entrepreneur. Yeah, if you're not willing to look at yourself, grow yourself, you, you're not going to fly. Rich, I'm in deep awe of the fact that coaching is becoming more and more of a thing around the world now, and like it's a grow and it's an industry that's growing. Um, there are some great things about that. There are some challenges about that. One of the things that fascinates me is people like yourself and myself that are actually people oriented. Um, I think a lot of the current existing education system actually grooms people to be task oriented, which is great if you're, if you're a task oriented individual. But I feel like for those that are people oriented, it's pretty much like, 
become a nurse or a doctor or I'm not sure what else I could do, you know? And did you find that through your own journey as well? And then are you excited about potentially what comes through for people that are like for people that are people oriented? And do you think there's like a shift in society that's currently happening that people can actually find careers being people oriented? Look, the, the challenge with the education system, and not only, of course, did I go through it, but then I, I was a teacher for 15 years, yeah. eventually a vice principal, wow. is that, that educators are people who tend to do very well in the traditional system. So mm. you're good at language, you're good at mathematics, you're good at science. So you go back to the school system. So you spend 18 years in the school system, three years studying, four or five years studying about it, and then you go back and teach it. So it's, it's, it's a very traditional system that, that was created in Victorian times to create workers who are willing to work 40, 50, 60, 80 hour weeks to you know, build a factory-based system. And we're in a very different world. There was a statistic I used to read to parents, it must be 20 years ago now, that half the jobs that will be around in five years time have not been invented yet. Hmm. And that's far more true now you know, the question you need to ask your kids is not what everybody asks them when they're young. You know, what do you want to do when you grow up? <laughs> it's actually, who do you want to be when you grow up? Mm. Because no one is going to have the same career for, mm. for 30, 40 years anymore. Even if you go into a traditional field like medicine, the field will change. There'll be mm. new technologies that come in. So there's no one will take on a career any longer that will never change. So mm. you have to train kids in really powerful skills. And, and it's those skill sets that will have them fly into the future. Talking about people skills, do we develop them? Like, I feel like for a lot of that for me was developed ad hoc through life. It wasn't something that was actually intentionally taught to me. Um, and over time, you kind of learn the hard way. Like you lose some friends, you make some friends, you have some great relationships, you have some really good like work relationships, things go well, you're consistent. And then in some places you're not. Is there, a, is there a particular, like I know relationships is a massive, 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 massive part of like your whole frequency from humbly looking from the outside in. Is there like, is there advice that you can afford us in terms of developing positive, like strong relationships? Where do we begin? Like I know it's like potentially innately human, but where do you find the way to go to in terms of how do we develop stronger relationships? Is there some way we can learn to be better, some way we can drop in to be better relationships? How do we improve them? It's an interesting question. And I've got lots of thoughts. I'm trying to filter them down. Look, I've had a one-line business plan for years. Meet fun and interesting people. <laughs> I didn't go to business school. I don't have an MBA. I have never written a business plan in my life. That's the only business plan I've ever lived off. Meet mm. fun and interesting people. Mm. And so, I, and I'm an introvert, by the way, which means that I, 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 I'm not shy. Mm. I'm comfortable on a stage in front of a room or in the restroom at the back of the room. I just don't want to be in the middle of the room making small talk. <laughs> it's how I'm wired. Other people are extroverts. They get energized by being around people. I get, I get drained of around people too long. Mm. I just need to go off and, and re-energize and then come back. Mm -hmm. So I, I like people. I found my own ways to connect with people. It's not being around them constantly. I couldn't, I couldn't do that. So you've got to find your own ways for being around people. But yeah, my experience is, well, let me ask, let me ask it. Let me suggest it this way for our kids. I think what would really help them to fly is helping them to find great 
mentors, helping mm. them to find great people they can learn from. I learned by default in my life. In fact, most of what I learned about leadership was from poor leaders. Mm. I, I'm always in awe of people who, who have great leaders in their life and they learn from them. I didn't really have many great leaders I was able to learn from, uh, from you know, 18 years old to, to 30 plus. I mm. learned, oh, that's a terrible way to lead. I won't ever do that. <laughs> I don't like that. Let me never do that. And, and, and so I learned in that way. But I think there are ways to really curate some extraordinary mentors around our kids as they grow up. And, and we, can, we have to model that, actually. We have to model that and show them, look, here's a new mentor I'm working with. Here's someone who's teaching me. I think it's really great to surround yourself by people who are older than you, people mm -hmm. who are younger than you. So I've got three mentors right now, two men who are in their late 70s, uh, one woman who's in her mid-60s. And I have other people who are far younger than me who help me out and guide me. So surround yourself by people from every age group. Diversity is really important. Diverse communities, diverse backgrounds, diverse countries, diverse ways of thinking. I have a, a high-end membership community, uh, 4PC, the 4% Club. This is the top 20% of the top 20% of coaches. And I tell them when they come, there's only 30 members in that group. And I tell them when they come in that I don't want them to look around for how do you guys speak? What's the kind of language you use? How do you do things? Mm. Because that's just how we do it now. And if you keep watching for how we, every new member looks for how we do it, we're going to become this homogenous group who talks the same way, looks the same way. Your job when you come into my community is to know that you belong. Mm. There's nothing you need to do to prove yourself and to push our boundaries. Mm. I love that. I really love that. And the diversity is such a key piece. I remember um, it wasn't long ago that all my friends were my age. All my friends were completely my age. And, you know, it's actually interesting becoming a parent. I've been doing some research and they say, you know, between, and this is everybody's got their own opinion and philosophy. So pardon me if you don't agree with this, but what I've came across was between the ages zero and six, the child really belongs to the mother and six to 14, he really belongs to the father, he or she. And then 14 onwards, they actually need a really, like a really good mentor. And I started realizing, oh, I'm not sure I had a solid mentor. I think my peer group became <laughs> my mentors. And as I reflected upon that, I think that's probably more the norm for most people <laughs> than not. Um, and yeah, recognizing that my peers, actually everybody that was in my age is kind of like, yep, looking that way, looking that way. And then we all sort of, you know, raised each other into that mm -hmm. space. And sometimes we weren't raising each other. Sometimes we were falling with each other. Um, but in there, like there was a distinct shift um, about, yeah, about five years ago when I started having friends that were twice my age. Mm -hmm. And it was almost this, it was almost one of the most beautiful parts of, getting older is that all of a sudden I could connect to people that weren't, I wasn't bound by connecting to people based on age. I was bound to people based on interest and, you know, interest in growing. And it was this really remarkable sort of shift where it was like, oh my God, someone five years younger than me, someone, and be inspired by that. It's like, oh my God, your journey is so much further ahead of you. And I'm so excited for you. And if there's anything you want to know, please ask a brother. Mm -hmm. And, you know, having brothers and sisters above you that can sort of say, hey, like, be careful of that or, you know, don't do that or I wouldn't do that or I, I, I'd like to question this. It's a massive shift when you start inviting in that diversity into your life as well. Yeah, yeah, really powerful insight. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Rich, I would like to ask a question just for myself personally. 
there are some people that are highly coachable and there are some people that are less coachable. Do you find, what are some of the things in your opinion that sort of make someone highly coachable and someone that makes someone less coachable? Okay. Before I answer that, mm. wh where are we on a scale of 11 to 10 so, out of 10 so far? Uh, I had a pretty powerful insight already <laughs> about the fact that leaders lead. So. <laughs> yeah. and, and I saw that and I hesitated and I actually considered saying to you, what if we end the podcast now? <laughs> <laughs> Truly, uh, it, it, this is how I coach really high-level leaders. I'm uh, not paid for my time. Yeah, I'm paid for the insights they get. Mm -hmm. And so the moment someone's had an insight, I don't need to turn it into a 27-step plan. I don't yeah. need to talk about it anymore. The mm -hmm. insight, the world just shifted a little bit for you in that moment. I saw it. If you were, if you were listening or watching, you felt it. Mm -hmm. And and so I, I debated whether to say let's pause because I, I, I carried on because this is your podcast and you have a way of doing things. But, but, but it relates to your question you know, about being coachable. Mm. You, you're, you're clearly very coachable. You are open to a new possibility. You saw it. It's still resonating now. That ripple effect of that will, will translate in all sorts of ways into your life and business mm. into the future. I've got no doubt you'll come back to me at some point and say, hey, look at, at how much more impact I made as a result of that. How much more income I made as a result of that how much more inner peace I have as a result of that insight. Hmm. So one of the, you can't be a great coach unless you're coachable. Hmm. You have hmm. to be open to doing the work yourself, doing the hmm. deep reflection yourself. And so, yeah, some people are not coachable. They're not my people. I, 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 I have some criteria for who I love to work with. I love to work with people who've got a track record of success behind them. I love to work with people who are fun. And mm. that's one of my criteria. If you're not fun to work with, it doesn't matter how much you're going to pay me. I, I, I won't say yes to you. Mm -hmm. So each coach has to come up with their own criteria. But those are two of mine. Yeah, I love that. I asked from a space because I remember um, when I was diagnosed with depression a while ago um, and then subsequently been on this amazing journey that has, yeah, reconstituted my life um one of the things when i was sitting opposite the therapist she said you're going to be okay actually because you know something's wrong and you're willing to change and at the time she mentioned that it was just like a couple of words she said and i sort of just carried on my way and i was like yeah sure whatever and then uh looking back having coached certain people now it's like oh those two criteria actually land pretty deeply like to know that you want to shift not that something's wrong but know that there's something that could shift and then a willingness to bring to that shift um yeah and i find it quite remarkable especially your work even just as using this podcast as an example because potentially i wasn't even aware that there was something to shift around leadership right and the insight helps crack you open to go well ah, there's something to shift there. And then I think the willingness kind of is dependent upon the individual as to whether they want to step into that, which is what you described, or if they don't. So I think it's, so, yeah. So this is why I can promise you, whoever you are, if you and I sit down for a coaching conversation, mm. I know you'll have a life-changing insight. Mm. Because if I'm looking for how you create your world, how you see your world, the things that you can't see, and we can see it for the first time, it's life-changing. That doesn't mean your life will change because you then have facility. You have to decide whether you're going to do anything about that. Mm -hmm. And for most people, the, the, the enemy is the status quo. 
The status quo wants to keep you where you are. It doesn't want you to change. In fact, your zone of wants to keep you where you are. So there's, there's the things you're not good at doing. We know about those things, but there's the things you're pretty good at doing or even mm-hmm. extremely good at doing. And they hold you back from what I call your zone of genius. It's a Gay Hendricks term. The zone of genius is those one, two, or three things where you're the only person on the planet who can do them. When you do them, you have the most impact. You make the most money and you get a real sense of peace and fulfillment from doing them. So our job is to find ways for ourselves and for the leaders we work with to become lazier and lazier. It's not Homer Simpson's lazy lying on the couch. It's lazy knowing that I do one thing today and my job is done because I've made Mm. the biggest difference I can make with that one conversation, that one phone call, that one uh, document I created. Mm. Wow. When did you realize that the one inside- Let me pause you for a second. Let me pause you. What was the wow? Why did you say wow in that way? (laughs) (laughs) The wow was the recognition of- It's still precipitating for me, actually. <laughs> it's still precipitating for me. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what I like about that is, and, and everyone who's listening can, can hear, if, you, if you're looking, Amrit's looking up into the sky. <laughs> That's what happens when we're, we're reflecting on, or no, rather we're, we're trying to create a new possibility. We tend to look up. Um, so this is why I coach around insight, because everything shifts and there's nothing that needs to be done. And I, and I believe one coaching tool that's missed so often mm is gentle reflection. Mm. You and I were coaching, we could be done. We could be 15 minutes into our call. You have this insight or the one earlier about leadership. And Mm. I might say, I think we're done. Mm -hmm. And then we don't speak for a week or two. And you do some reflection in that time. We come back and now we've got somewhere interesting to go. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that was going to bleed into my next question, which is the insights happened. Some people have the uptake. Some people don't. Reflection seems to be a key piece in there to sort of reflect on the insight, which if you're hungry for insight, I think that's a, that's a natural um, invitation there for you to sort of sink your teeth into something. And then follow through. Does You mentioned that certain people have follow through, but they're sort of limited by the status quo because they have this, and I think that's a really remarkable uh idea because i remember speaking to my father-in-law and he said you know what actually for many people getting a university degree is a bit of a trap and i said what (laughs) and he's like because it for many people it's it's like a beautiful like you know you've got something to bolster yourself on you can go get a career you can go get a job like you can do all this stuff and be abundant good on you off you go but then also you're way less likely to take a risk into being that 1% to 3% of what you described before. It's like there's potentially something out there that is your like hyper genius and you're just like, yeah, but I'm like the lights stay on around here and the rent gets paid and the mortgage gets paid and, you know, like I better not take that risk. And so it actually can be a bit of a trap, whereas those people that potentially don't have that five years invested and the debt invested into an education are much more willing to potentially take a risk. Yeah, I think the the key sort of query I'm asking potentially on behalf of myself, potentially on behalf of the audience is follow through. Are there key things that you find um, just like can help someone be more inclined to follow through on an insight? I think your father-in-law is spot on. And that was a great, 
a great insight there around what's the purpose of an education, including mm -hmm. a university education. And I like to say I'm not an accountability coach. Mm. If you need accountability, you're not dreaming big enough. Because mm. if we can find a mission that excites you, and I know there must have been moments in your life when you knew that like, this is what I'm going to do and everyone's telling me I'm crazy, but I'm doing it no matter what. Yeah, totally. You don't need accountability. No one needs to hold your hand. Look, I need accountability to go to the gym. I'm mm. one of those people, I'm not very good at going to the gym. There's no problem with buying a gym membership. Mm. I just won't show up. I have to have a personal trainer who comes to the house or I go to them because then I'm committed. Mm -hmm. uh, but with goals, I got a phone call in 2014. And this guy says, Rich, you don't know who I am, but I'm creating a group of leaders to go to Liberia in West Africa. And we're going to run an empowerment event for local teachers. I'm going to take clean water filtration system to a village that's never had clean water before. Mm. I'd never met this guy before. It was one of those rare moments when you pick up the phone to a stranger. Mm. And he, I was in before he finished speaking. You see, I went to teach in Botswana in Africa for two years when I was in my 20s. Mm -hmm. And I traveled a lot around Southern Africa. I've traveled a lot around Eastern Africa. When I met my wife, we traveled across Africa. Um, Monique, my wife, uh, spent two years growing up in Kenya as a kid when mm -hmm. her parents were in the Peace Corps. I got a lot of connections to very, diff very different places in Africa. I have a passion for education. And here was some stranger telling me he's taking a group of people to bring the magic that I bring to people in Liberia one of the poorest countries on the planet. It ticked every single box for me, making a difference, uh, a, a place I've never visited on a continent I love to visit. And, and it's to do with education and mm. coaching. I was in before he finished speaking. I didn't need accountability. I knew I was in. And, mm. and so what happens, I, I, I tell him, I'll think about it. I then go and enroll my wife. We have a, a, a second son had just been born. Like, hey, babe, I'm going to go off to one of the most... Uh, the poorest countries on the planet. And I'm going to spend a week there. And I know you just had a, a little baby, but I'll be back a week later. I had to enroll her. Then the mission starts and I enroll a group of about five coaches to be on my group. There were four leaders. Mm. And I get a phone call from this guy saying, hey, it's not going to happen. The other leaders can't manage to enroll people for their groups. Mm. Amrit, I mm. wanted to go. Yeah. I knew that if I don't make this happen, there's a school that's not going to be built. There are kids that are not going to be taught. There are educators who are not going to grow. And I made a decision that this is happening no matter what. Mm -hmm. And I went out and helped enroll people for these other leaders. This mission happened because I said it would. I didn't need accountability. When challenges showed up, I showed up. I do not want to hold your hand. If you need accountability, you're not dreaming big enough. I want to sit down with you and help you create something, a mission that's so damn powerful, nothing will stop you. That's how I coach. It's an intentional pause there because I really want that to sort of settle in, sink in. That is a huge, huge, huge insight, yeah? Especially on the path of the inspired evolution, like the, the dream and the vision is so big for what you know the change for humanity their relationship with the planet the way that we're living on it the way we treat each other that inspires me every day to get out of my own way because <laughs> i'll be honest do you, do you know the etymology of the word inspiration 
uh, inspire inspiration for me is to infuse spirit. No, no, no. I'm asking a very specific question. Do you know the etymology? Do you know where that word comes from? The Latin derivation of that word inspiration. I think it has to do with spirit, but not precisely. Actually, so no, the word spirare is related to the word means to breathe. Yeah. It's why in your lungs, you have spiracles. Mm. Spirare means to breathe. Mm. Inspiration is something that we, we wait for inspiration to happen to us. Mm. No, inspiration happens from the inside out. Mm. And, and, and so many people make the mistake of waiting for it. I'll wait for inspiration to strike. No, you can create the space for inspiration to strike and you can create inspiration by taking uncomfortable, messy action with no idea what's going to happen. Actually, that's a question I usually ask at the end of the podcast, Rich, but I might sort of tuck it in here because we're segueing into it. What does inspired evolution mean to you? I'm going to be provocative. Who cares? <laughs> and what I mean by that, who cares? I'm talking to you, mm. not because of the title of your podcast, but because I feel who you are. Mm. Because you were really clear. You wanted to have me as a guest on your podcast. Because when you reached out, and I, and I was a no, my team were a no initially. I was very busy when you first reached out. You didn't stop. You said, hey, I'd like to have you as a guest. I'm not stopping. And so I said, yes. And I'm at a moment right now where I'm turning down almost every possibility to be interviewed because I'm trying to get my book out into the world. Mm. And, and I said yes to you. And I kept this commitment today. So mm. I, it matters less what I, that means to me than mm. that I see you as a man who is inspired mm. and, and a man who's on mission. And, and that enrolled me. And that's why we're, we're talking today. Thank you so much for sharing that it means the world to me. And yeah, I circling back to what we were discussing before having a mission that is bigger than your excuses, man. That is one of the hugest takeaways. Like I said, for me personally on the inspired evolution as well. Um, yeah. Cause there are some mornings where I wake up and I'm not inspired to evolve. <laughs> it's just like, you know what? Like I'm just humble old Amrit <laughs> just like one foot in front of the other <laughs> needs a cuddle from his wife <laughs> before the day gets started. And there are some days where it's like, yeah, but there's, you know, there's an impact to be had. There's a shift to be made, you know, and there's, you know, lives to change and potentially, you know, when you get into that zone and you're going to have so much fun doing it because it's, it is your calling. It's, it's an absolute blessing. Yeah. Well, and don't lose sight of the fact that that's all okay. Great leaders need cuddles from their wives. Mm. Great leaders need time out to sit on a beach or, or just curl up in the bed all day and read a good book. You know, great leadership is not about being on fire all the time. I can bring the energy I channeled with you a few moments ago, but I can't bring it all the time. Mm. Um, and in a, in a few minutes time, I told you, I'm going to go and pick up my kids from school. And then my, my eight-year-old is a powerhouse. And last <laughs> night I, I was losing, I was trying to threaten him to get to bed. Uh, and, and at one point my wife said, you know, he's eight, right? <laughs> Which is like, you know, I, you know, I coach Navy SEALs, right? <laughs> Emory, I, I trained 2020, just before the pandemic started. I trained with Chris Voss. Yeah. Chris Voss is a former FBI hostage negotiator. Mm. And Chris said, you know, why are you here on this course? And everyone was talking about, well, I do high level negotiations around business, around finance. And he came to me and I said, look, I can do high level complex negotiation, but my 
kids run rings around me. So it's about being human. Leadership is about being human and then being real about it, not hiding it. I think that's what we're missing uh, as in, in our leaders, leaders who can be real, leaders who can be open, leaders who can be trusted because they're real. Do you think it's the status quo that keeps leaders from being their authentic selves? Or is there more to it? Uh, I hope you're okay with bad language. I think it's fucking scary to be yourself. It's mm. scary because if I'm myself, fully myself, you're going to see my flaws, my mistakes, where I get it wrong. And, and you're going to see all the places where I don't trust myself. And mm. that's scary. It's really scary. That's why I chose to use bad language just now. It's, it's <laughs> really scary to be fully yourself and be seen. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, everybody wants to be visible. They just don't want to be seen. It doesn't work that way. You want to be trusted. You, people don't trust you mm. unless they really see you and feel you. Mm. I love that we've come home to trust. I can feel us wrapping it up somewhere close to there. So in terms of trust, Rich, like I said before, when I feel into your world and the way you've de- developed everything, relationship seems to be a key thing. My wife would, I would often say um, that, you know, relationships are built on communication and trust is like a big, you know, and my wife actually turned around to me and said, actually, it's mostly trust. You know, if you trust someone, you're open to communicating to them. If you don't, then you don't really communicate to them either way. So it's really just about trust that relationships are are bedded upon. Um, Would you agree? Would you care to elaborate? How do you feel about trust and relationships? It, it, it's complex. It's a catch-22 because sometimes you have to trust first. Mm. Sometimes you have to trust first. And that's always hard. We wait, well, if you trust me, then I'll trust you. Mm. You respect me, then I'll respect you. Somebody asked me once, Rich, when you hire new team members, when do you start to trust them? And I said, immediately. The moment I've hired them, I've done all my due diligence. So I, you, you have my full trust immediately. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, fully. Once in a while, someone can lose that trust. But most of the time, when you give someone your full trust from the moment they start working with you, they live up to that. Mm. They're excited by that. They want to be a hero to you and you're showing them how. I love that. Thank you for that inspiration. Last little question, Rich. What is one of the biggest insights that you've had that shifted your world recently just for the audience to sort of connect into your world a little bit? I'm writing my next book right now. I've been, I'm writing two books this year. Mm -hmm. One's called create clients now. Mm -hmm. And it's like an update the prosperous coach. And one's called a little scary is good. Mm -hmm. And it's about how I coach really talented, driven, ambitious, high performers. Mm -hmm. And the insight I'm having right now is that people want to be let into your process. They're less interested in, in perfection than what happens behind the scenes. So I see so many coaches and leaders wait till they have this perfect book they can get out into the world. Mm-hmm. And actually you have to build your audience and your community while you go mm-hmm. and letting them into the process and seeing the messy inside. Mm-hmm. People love that because it's not, it's very, it's very rare. Mm-hmm. And so I'm leaning into that edge right now of bringing my audience into my process as I write. Thank you so much, brother, for letting us into your process here today and sharing yourself so abundantly with us. Thank you so much for your time, your energy. And I could just say thank you for today, but I know 
it's a lifetime. It's actually decades and decades of worth of work that went into this conversation today. Thank you for my insight and inviting me into greater leadership as well. Thank you so much for your blessings. And on behalf of myself, the Inspired Evolution Tribe and audience, wishing you all the best, man. Thank you so much for doing this with us. Thank you so much for tuning in to this amazing episode of the Inspired Evolution. Without you, the Inspired Evolution Tribe, this podcast would not be what it is today. Thank you so much for your love and your support. Thank you so much for being so inspired to evolve. It's truly inspiring. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe to the Inspired Evolution on YouTube, the home of the Inspired Evolution's video podcast. We release inspiring conversations such as this every week, along with guided meditations and empowering insights all designed to help you grow and evolve. Honestly, your subscription on YouTube to the channel helps us out a great deal. And one of the other benefits, if you're having any insights or shifts from these episodes that you want to chat about, or if you'd like to leave myself or the guest a message, please do so in the comments on YouTube. I truly look forward to hearing from you. And as always, Tribe, remember to stay inspired and keep evolving. you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.